we are talking about a comic book, which we all read. If you did not also read this comic book, be aware we may talk about the events that happen inside of it. If this is going to make you sad, you should read the comic book first. Well spunked. Have you not been hearing me? Oh man, the goon! Welcome to the Trade Secrets Podcast. Sorry the neurons aren't firing today. Comic book talk by comic book geeks just like you. Did I just have a stroke? That's a valuable misprint, sir. And now your hosts, Luke Matthews. I'm still reading Powers. I, I'm started the second hardcover, so I, I just got past the monkey sex. And B. So I walked into Arcane Comics this Sunday, and then I left, and I had no money. It was amazing. Joel Simon. I have nothing to say. It, huh? it, that's why I'm on this podcast, right? And Andy Padel. Mm, Iron Chains. Mm, I'm dead again. Oh God! I need to go. I need to go to that okay. trivia. You have to. You have to let me know when it's going to happen. Next Monday. It's every Monday at eight. Next oh, okay. Monday is the all Bill Murray edition. So if that holds any, I'm Do not smart sure. I would just be... ruin that though. Most good trivia places will make you put put away your phone. Yes. Like you can't. Yeah, you could. You could be a douche and you could cheat, but you know. Yeah, they do. They talk. They about make that. you. They make you put away your phone because what's the fun with you know with a, just a smartphone there? Okay. I'm so. just saying, dude, Seattle has no shortage of douches. That's fair. Right. They shoot you if they see you with a smartphone. Oh, really? Yeah, they do. Sweet. Okay. All over your face. <laughs> oh. <laughs> right? <laughs> Wrong. Welcome, everybody, to episode five of the Trade Secrets Podcast. I'm your host, Luke Matthews, and I am joined today by Joel Simon. Hi. Ann Bain. Hello. And Andrew Padel. Sup? You motherfucker. Hey, I let you go first. No, Specifically no, so no. you could take it. I was, and you I was chose give him not the chance, to. I was going to give him the chance to rectify oh, the situation. Right. But unfortunately, but you choked. I did not choke. You I choked. was going to take the high road. And of course, you just went underground. You know what the high road is called at this podcast? What? The person who doesn't get to say sup. Oh. <laughs> Pussy. Oh. oh. Panocha, or, actually. Yeah, okay, there we go. <laughs> I just learned that today. The more you know. Yeah. So this episode is going to be all about the last days of American crime by Rick Remender and Greg Ticini. Uh As with every podcast, we will start off by talking about what we're reading right now. Uh, and you go first this time. Uh, so last week I was looking at things on the internet, um, and I looked at last year's Eisner's and looked at the webcomic section of last year's Eisner's because I was curious about it and found a comic called Sin Titulo, which means without a title in Spanish and on the web browser, it like doesn't actually have a title. Um, but there you go. It is, in fact, in English, and it's really, really fabulous. Uh, I was pleasantly surprised. It's very, very well-structured and done in, to touch the asymptote of pretension again, it's done in <laughs> Charoscuro, um, which means it's basically uh, brown and then black and white are added on top of the brown to make the pretty colors go. Um, and that's really effective for... What is it about? It's... <laughs> that difficult? Well, kind of, because it's it's very psychological. Um, I hate to 
I always love the psychological stuff. And so it's a bunch of paint splotch. No, it's um, this you guy who is it's that good mentally. <laughs> it's this guy. It's that guy. No, it's hard to describe. Um, he has. A, he starts out with a recurring dream. It's sort of like in eh, Inception esque in terms of it has a lot of dream content. Um, but it's about, it's basically a mystery that he's trying to solve, but he's unsure of his own like mental stability at the whole time. And the art does a very good job of making you also unsure of your own mental stability while you're reading it. Um, it's fairly fabulous. I'm also reading Sweet Tooth, which is a dystopian tale set in the near, near, I don't know, whatever the future in which something terrible has happened. Like it does. (laughs) (laughs) Um, and there's been radiation and. The only babies that are born are mutant animal babies. That look like tooth fairies? No. Okay. They're like, they have the characteristics of some animal and a human. And the main character... Um, is a deer. Is a deer. He's a kid with kind of a deer face and antlers. Okay. Um, so the only people that will survive a radioactive apocalypse are apparently from the Appalachians. Yes, and <laughs> he is really hictabulous. All like, right. Uh, that's the thing I appreciate about the uh, the first trade that I read is just how intensely hictabulous everything is. Um, it's like his father has raised him in isolation in the forest because if anyone finds him, they're going to do terrible things. Apparently, yeah, make a make a, a make him into a pair of sandals. You look like <laughs> right? a deer, boy. Mount Take him to the, the glue factory. <laughs> Need um, me some moccasins, boy. <laughs> right. So it's about him, uh, his father dying, and him. Uh, escaping slash being abducted by this strange and violent man and at the end of the first trade you're sort of at the point of like well will his sweet heart win over the strange and violent man or will he just get fucked up in a concentration camp that sounds I like you sweet entirely too. uninteresting to me <clears throat> it's dystopian it's a, it's exciting enough for me to bother reading the second trade did I just go no you're fine you're fine you're okay. fine that's I was just messing with the you're mix with so the you're, you're oh, good. okay okay so <clears throat> I was just saying that I'm I'm noticing a kind of theme running through the books that you read <laughs> you've seen it already have yes you? <laughs> unwritten sin tutelo I I think I'm gonna make a comic just for you called unplotted yes. <laughs> <laughs> no no I just find it funny uh, uh, Mike Tron and I did a series of of date nights where we would both pick a movie and his were like kind of feel good they were like all science fiction movies but his ended up being really feel good yeah. like uh, enemy mine stuff that's and the first time i've ever heard enemy mine <laughs> described as a feel good space movie. And, <laughs> and the alien has a baby then dies okay it, but it had a feel good ending mine was cube Ooh. fair i was going yeah. to be like so uh for the first three we chose solo the 400 blows and uh the seventh sign <laughs> <laughs> They're all black and white German films. No, no. <laughs> about torture and death. <laughs> oh, God. No, it was like uh, Cuban existence, neither of which have particularly feel good uh, endings. And no, I did not like existence. In the mouth of madness. So that wait, movie I love. I on. fucking love that movie. Existence was that like the the crappy version of the one that had the uh, the gun fu. Uh, no. no, 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 no. It's no. David Cronenberg. And the yeah. one you're thinking... It's, it's Cronenberg. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> I just had to say that. Have you ever seen Cronenberg before? No. Videodrone? Videodrone, Crash, uh, Naked Lunch. Yeah. I love the fact that there are three endings on the extended version of Naked Lunch, and the good ending is the one where the main character dies. Yeah. That's Cronenberg. Yeah, that is. I, I remember back in the day, we used to always get these like really strange movies. Um, 
I grew up in Snoqualmie Valley. That's where Twin Peaks was filmed. So we kind of had a special heart for Twin Peaks. And so David Lynch. So we would watch, you know, David Lynch, Twin Peaks mostly, Wild at Heart, um, all that kind of weird stuff. And then that kind of veered off into really weird stuff. Wild at Heart was the one with Laura Dern, right? Yeah. My arm. Yeah. The Garmin and all that kind of stuff. I'm sure that made sense in some context. It did. You've not seen Twin Peaks? No. Oh, okay. Neither have I, actually. I've, I saw a mm. couple episodes when it first aired and then wasn't interested, so I never watched it. Have Wild you ever, have you ever lived in a small town? Yes. I remember Wild okay. Palms. Do you know how everybody is a little too familiar with everybody yes. else? Okay. That's what Twin Peaks is about. Okay. Yeah. Best thing about Twin Peaks is that the killer ended up, uh, the person who was cast as the killer was just a prop guy who couldn't stay the fuck off camera in a mirror for the season finale. So they're ha. like, okay, uh, let's use it. Uh, you want to act? <laughs> Guess what? Yeah, you were now. the killer all along. Talking if, about comics. So what are you reading, Joel? Oh, oh it's just words. You know. <laughs> With pictures and stuff. No, uh, Wildcats <laughs> 3. It's uh, year one. It's uh, what? Wildcats 3.0? Okay, sorry. You fucking douchebag. Yeah. Wildcats really. 3 is not... No, there, there's a difference between Wildcats 3 and Wildcats 3.0. Wildcats 3.1 was tr- entirely different. So it's it's pretty much... I'm not familiar with Wildcats, but it's the Wildcats characters. Uh, you got Grifter. You got the, some hypnotist Henry Wax. Not Henry Wax. Uh Wax is the last name. Yeah, yeah. Wax is the last name. They just keep on calling him Wax, and Luke Wax. Spark. Yes, I do. Yes. <laughs> Wait, not. That's not what I meant. Uh, and and the main character who's uh, Jack Monroe, who's Spartan, and Marlo. Marlo. Are you really going to correct me? You got it now? right like four times before we started recording, and now you mess it up. Maybe. All right. <laughs> I might have. Yeah, a little, play a little fast and loose. Anyway, uh, so he's starting a, a corporation, and this is an intergalactic android who knows everything. And he feels that since corporations pretty much rule the world, that he's going to use this corporation for good. So he creates these batteries that are endless power supplies and puts them onto the market. And though the premise is kind of pretentious where, you know, you can sell a product that you don't have, you only have to buy one and expect to you know, make a profit off of that. It's still pretty good. It's a nice it's a nice talk on on corporations and how they rule the world. It sounds pretty boring. It's actually pretty good. I at least I thought it was. And it, it teaches a little bit about how corporate corporations like work in the United States government too. Cool. Yeah. It's awesome. Who writes Kinda. it? Um yeah. Who draws it? Um Oh my god, wait, no no um no. When I say, you know, I love I love doing this because every time okay. I do this, Andy has to think of it. He absolutely cannot not figure it out. Oh my or god! Else Butcher his- Baker, Righteous Makers writer, um, the guy who does Ben Ten. Uh, fuck, oh, fuck! 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 That guy. Yeah. I didn't know I'm that so we had, I didn't know that Ben Ten was written by fuck 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 fuck. <laughs> right, you know, it's son of a bitch. It's he's foreign. Fuck. <laughs> um, I should know this, Casey. At the bat, Casem oh, uh, <laughs> Jones. My brain. No, uh, Casem. The the uh, the the drawer. Uh, the drawer. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Oh, and you suck. Um, the the penciler is Danwin 
Doug Nguyen or Dan Nguyen? <laughs> N-Y-G-U-N. Somebody named, yeah. somebody named Nguyen. <laughs> no, no. It's, it's Vietnamese. But, it's Vietnamese. <laughs> um, it, I, I, you know, I didn't really pay attention. Uh, of course, I did read this while I was camping and, and drunk at the time, so maybe it seemed a lot more interesting. No, it's a really, it's really a good read because people try to take this down. That that's just the plot. It's a good story, but the one thing that's kind of funny this this was written in two thousand and two, and it really follows closely to what Mac Fraction did with Iron Man. Is it that and old? Re- really, two thousand and two. Yeah. yeah. Wow. But they just reprinted reprinted it in two thousand and ten, which is kind of strange. well. Okay, so year one was reprinted in like two thousand four. Year two never was reprinted, and then in uh, last year they reprinted or they re reprinted, reprinted meaning came out in a trade. Yeah, okay, in 2004 okay. it was traded, and then they didn't release that again until 2010, Okay, and then they released Year 2 in January? I, I, I haven't yeah, gotten January. to Year 2 yet. It's a good read, and I'm done, because it seems like I've talked for too long. Yeah, and uh, and we know you're, you're going to babble on when we actually start talking uh, about last shucks. day's American crime, so... But you know what? You, you have the editor knife. So you can just cut all that bullshit out, yeah. anyways. Joel isn't the only one who's guilty of going off on a tangent. For Absolutely a bit. true. I got something to say. He's not drunk, though. It was good. I'm getting there. <laughs> it's a start. You know, enough okay. tangents, and you'll work your way full circle. Yeah, we Eventually. have an entire episode dedicated to tangents. Yes, we do. It's true. Yes, we do. Speaking of full circle, Andy, what are you reading? So I am rereading Casanova, uh, Luxuria, and Gula in preparation for next week and I've really been enjoying them so I'll, I'll keep that one super quick however I'm also reading Thunderbolts again because oh. I love Thunderbolts I, I do too so wait Casanova the, the second story arc is it still kind of tongue in cheek you know, oh it's fun. completely tongue in cheek swashbuckler the, the, the sort of the Gula is the title however it's also called when is Casanova Quinn because he has been sent somewhere in time and no one knows when so they're trying to figure out what time he got. So not the location. Yeah. Well, the location, but not in a geographic sense, more in a spatial sense. In a time Temporal. Sense. Ooh. Ooh, big words. Fourth dimension. Um, anyway. And there's a six-armed alien chick who works with him and whatnot. When isn't there? Yeah, good point. But to talk about Thunderbolts for a minute, they are forming a B-team of Thunderbolts because they know that the A-team of Thunderbolts eventually is going to die horribly. Oh really? Yeah. Now is I only read the Dark Rain kind of run of Thunderbolts. Okay. And a little bit of the whole Baron Zemo kind of bullshit. Born again. Dark Rain happens. Norman Osborn takes Cole and he basically finds the most psychopathic supervillains. He's like, Hey, you wanna go break some uh superheroes? He's like, Okay, you guys have been doing really well, so I'm gonna have a side job for you. But I need a black ops squad. So I've got this new team of Thunderbolts. And then he took the old team, turned them into the Avengers. And Dark Reign ends, Norman Osborn is imprisoned, and at that point, they need a new leader for the team, and they're like, hey, Luke Cage, do you want to lead the Thunderbolts? Hmm. What? Luke Cage is the leader of the Thunderbolts. What? Wow. Well, but Luke Cage is a good guy. Yeah. Okay. They're, These it's, are it's anti-villains. To, yeah, it's, it's back to being a reform program as okay. opposed to a hit squad. But he's, I was always wondering about that, because I only read the Dark Reign, but I didn't see the end where Norman Osborn, the, the whole siege thing, they threw him in jail. But Luke Cage is the leader of the Thunderbolts. Why? Is because he's street enough? He can understand? It's because he can whoop their asses. Okay. Yeah, like one of the few people that can just beat the shit out of everybody on the team. It's like, oh, we got a juggernaut. Who, who are we going to use to keep him in line? Luke Cage will work. 
Yeah, okay. I Plus, also, he did some time as a supervillain, didn't he? Yeah. yeah. He was he was a prisoner. That's, that's the whole Luke Cage thing. Don't get me started on Luke Cage. <laughs> <laughs> okay, no, oh, I, oh, I will okay, say this. get me started on yeah, Luke Cage. Yeah, so the, the Marvel Alliance 2 game, right, where they had all the superheroes in it. So yeah, game is so bad. It is, it is. Uh, so but I still good. played it. It was kind of like a Diablo esque with superheroes. But they had Luke Cage in there. It was like, oh, it's a black superhero. I'm playing with him because you know there's what three in the whole Marvel universe. <laughs> and so he comes out and he's dressed with his wife beater and his black jeans and he has a belt. And when he hits people, he takes off his belt and whips people with it, like a nice. pimp. Wow. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> like <laughs> wow. The Punisher was black for a bit. Does that count? Daredevil's black right now. Are the, you talking Black about? Panther? I know. You're saying Black Panther is now Daredevil. Daredevil. Uh-huh. It so blank. It's Black Panther, Man Without Fear. This was the point, by the way, that I stopped. My, like I loved Daredevil. Yeah. Um, Shadowland. When Shadowland ended, and they were like, "Okay, Darede- Mar- Matt Murdock is no longer Daredevil." I'm like, "Cool. I'm taking this off my poll list." Yeah. Dang. Done. So I am reading because we're still supposedly on that subject. Uh, I'm, I'm catching up on unwritten. I got the entire run of Unwritten for really cheap, and I'm on issue 13 now, 14. Um, Just got past the point where... um, Prison. Past the prison. No, it's it's, it's, uh, just past the point where he gets shot by Goebbels. Mm -hmm. Goebbels. Goebbels. The the actual German guy? Nazi propaganda films. Yes, the actual German guy. He goes back in sort sort of vaguely kind of back in time. And, uh, okay. Into Actually, a German book. Yeah. Into a book. Um, still reading Preacher. I'm on the second hardcover trade at this point, or third hardcover trade at this point. Um, it's what do you think? The sun? Uh, it's the one. Like I just got past the point where they um, they go to the fucking douchebags party. Um, Which fucking douchebag? The, the Marquis. Marquis. Yeah, Marquis. Uh, whatever the fuck his name is. Party and they break it up and then. Uh, <laughs> I love the panel where the guy's got his entire hand dipped in chocolate. Yeah, <laughs> it's like this weird kinky sex party, yeah. and there's just anything you can possibly imagine. Oh, and there's yeah. one panel where there's like a midget and somebody else having sex, and the guy who opens the door opens the door with one hand, and he's he's standing there and he's holding his fist, and he like he just licks it, and there's just brown stuff all over. And he's like double chocolate. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, is that the introduction of the uh, the two sexual investigators? Yes. Okay. The sexual investigator guys. Yes. Yeah. It's uh, it's interesting. I I like it so far. It's just like I it. I'm gonna have to read it twice. Honestly, once once I finish the whole run, I'm gonna have to read it twice because it's one of those things where I'm like, it's not really what I was expecting. Um, not in a bad way. Just it's just it's fucking weird. Like, what were you expecting? It's preacher. <laughs> I yeah. don't know what I was expecting, but not this. But then again, it's also Garth Ennis, and right. Gar- Garth Ennis is—he's as I've said in previous podcasts, he's like the Howard Stern of the comic book industry. He's a fucking mm. shock jock. Yeah, I like the Saint of Killers. I, yes. I, I think that's a great. He's know. like he's like an evil version of Roland from the Dark Tower. It's like mm. you know. Other than that, I'm reading Fear itself. I read issue two. It's. Uh, it's interesting, but I'm worried that I'm not going to get the whole story out of the main miniseries. Probably not. Um, no. Which bothers me to some degree. It's one of the things that I hate about fucking event books. Yeah. Um, but I like I like it so far. I, I This is actually the first thing I've ever read by Matt Fraction. And I've always liked Stuart Eminen's art. 
like he did uh Stuart Eminem did um Ultimate Fantastic Four and that's where I first saw him do his art and I solve everything <clears throat> was that the first book that he did I don't remember I don't remember specifics um and aside from that, like you know, like we talked about last time, uh, I'm doing IGN reviews, and I am I'm the shit peddler for uh, for the IGN my IGN reviews right now. I've I read and reviewed four fucking awful books, um, and I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and I, I won't I won't go into depth with them, but I'm going to talk about them so that people don't read them. Don't read Brimstone by Zenoscope; it's fucking terrible. Uh, don't read next John Byrne's Next Men, even if you like the old one because issue six is fucking awful. Uh, don't read Doc Savage, even if you like Doc Savage. Like, go read some old Doc Savage stuff because that's fun. But this one, this one, the people in this book <laughs> look, as I described in my review, look like a bunch of roided out Mickey Rourke's. The the failures, everyone is melting. Everyone's that's face awesome. is melting. They do. Yeah, they're they're um no one's the failures yeah. of proportion and perspective in this book are so abysmally terrible that it actually like the writing is mediocre and would be fine with mediocre art but no one's face is drawn at the same yeah. angle as their head yeah seriously it's like also their faces are tiny and squished. faces are tiny um as as andy put it in one particular panel like okay so if you go to your local store you need to find this book Open the book to page five. Or Savage, the, the Doc Savage page. number 14. Um, the panel in the lower right-hand corner, there is a close-up of the person's head and a pan shot of their face in the same panel. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Who knew it was possible, but yes. Yeah, it's 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 looks terrible. And the last one, this is the one that I am going to concentrate a little bit on, is called Breed 3. It's by Jim Starlin. Um, I don't know how Jim Starlin's name actually gets attached to books and actually means anything, uh, <laughs> because this is, without exaggeration, one of the worst comic books I have ever read in my entire life, hands down. Worse than Crossgen? No, there is stuff from Crossgen that true. I like. That's true. Some of their stuff is good. This is terrible. Uh, the The book starts with the line, my name is Ray Stoner, and I am most definitely pro-choice. Especially when it comes to violence, and it right? needs to be read really? in that voice. It's so bad on so We're many guy. levels. <laughs> I had some stuff. Choice. I, the frog. <laughs> <laughs> Without exaggeration, I sat here and I read through this book, and it was. I had to stop twice while reading it, and <laughs> I just sat there, mouth agape at. How fucking awful this book is. That makes me think of when I won a New Kids on the Block tape as a prize in, <laughs> in a contest about doing the robot. Um, <laughs> like you do. But I, that, that thing of like, the thing Something that I'm experiencing there. is so bad that I have yeah. to stop myself from stopping, right? Here, here, here's, how the book that, here's how the book ends. Suddenly I found myself surrounded by a bunch of these demon warriors. I faced one of them horrors years back and only survived the encounter through dumb luck. No way I was going to come out of the other end of this experience alive, especially seeing as how I'd left all my martial arts weaponry in my other coat back in elsewhere. Else what? I can't, I can't believe that Image actually published this book. Luke. It, what are you talking about? My neurons are screaming. <laughs> that's a serious cliffhanger, though. I can't. I, what I is he going to do? It in, he, uh, he, he left his nunchucks in his other coat. Motherfucker. His martial arts equipment. Thank you very much. He <laughs> <laughs> did not specify which martial arts equipment. Just all of it. On top of all of that, mm-hmm. the entire book is a flashback. Oh, goodness. 
elsewhere. Elsewhere, yeah. It's I just. I the moral even, of the story is don't leave your martial arts equipment and your other coat in a parallel dimension. Yeah. Motherfucker. I would rather have lit my $3 on fire <laughs> would have than paid for this book. Been more entertaining. Yeah, it really would have. So avoid that one at all costs. I, I don't even want to talk about it anymore. That's how much it pisses me off. Luke Matthews, so. <clears throat> host of After the Fact, Trade Secrets, and Ship Peddler. <laughs> yes, that is me. So the one little bit of comic industry news that I have for this week, because there's plenty of podcasts out there that, um, uh, what? There's two bits, because I always look up and see if they're doing a film adaptation of the comic oh. or reading. Okay. They are. All right, so the first of the two bits of comic book industry yeah. that I looked up for, for this week's show there's plenty of there's plenty of podcasts out there that you can get your weekly comic book fix. We are not that podcast, um, so <laughs> I'm going to go ahead and mention the ones that matter to us. Uh, Fox TV passed on the Lock and Key TV series after viewing uh, part of the pilot, and the way that I put it here is that fans rejoice because that is the best fucking news for Lock and Key that they could have possibly gotten. I really, really hope at some point that Gabriel Rodriguez and Joe Hill listen to this show and listen to me say. Go find somebody worth a shit to put your show on the air. Yeah, don't don't go. Fox. Don't go Fox, because y- you were either going to get canceled after six episodes because you were too good, or you were going to end up mired in mediocrity for four seasons. That's how Fox rolls. So, how a goddamn Luya that they didn't get picked up by Fox. I'm hoping that or they get picked up picked up by pretty much anybody else. And then the second is that uh, there is a Last Days of American Crime movie he coming out. He actually has three film projects in what? the pipes. Really? They are looking at doing a movie of Last Days of American Crime, a movie of Fear Agent, and some awesome. TV show for the XXX zombies that I always want to kind of make a gurgling noise when I say the title of that. They want to <laughs> make a are TV they, show No, I haven't. Are they triple X zombies? It takes place... Um, the main characters or the main cast is shooting a porn in the seventies. You were telling me about this. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I I I have a little man crush on Remender. So far, he can't do any wrong. Uh, you know, he hasn't proven me wrong yet. I know there's going to be a misstep somewhere. Everybody has it, but uh, well, looks Frankencastle. Oh, was that Remender? <laughs> okay. Other than that, like I, I met the one. guy a couple times. I think he's awesome, and uh, he writes some really good stuff, mm. except for Frankencastle. How did how did they retcon that? I don't know. That was the point. That was the point. Marvel's official retcon. I stopped reading the Punisher at that point and started reading Punisher Max. Yeah, I just I couldn't do it. You know what? At least when Marvel retcons stuff and has ridiculous storylines, you can always say, "I don't like that storyline. I'm going to completely ignore it and go with the other continuity that you have." All I have is images of of a Benny Hill like group of monsters running around on the island chasing like his his severed his legs. animated body running running one way and his his severed head like rolling the other way and people chasing him trying to fucking, every time oh he shoots God. a gun is fire <laughs> <laughs> frank and castle bad fire bad <laughs> so fucking terrible. i'd like you all to know that i think as a result of this podcast between frank, frank and castle and the stuff from Breed, I am officially dumber. And since I've, I'm new to the tweets and I've been getting in, <laughs> entranced, in the entranced by the tweets, that I, I noticed that Bendis was say, saying he was going through casting for powers. Yeah. Yep. Day and, four now. Yeah. So the main, the main detective, I can't remember what his name was. Don't yeah. do this to me twice in one episode. Oh, yeah. We, so I we, can... 
Did you not know there was going to be a test? Pop quiz. Anyway. I'm no help. That main detective, the main character. Dana Pilgrim. Got her whole name. Uh-huh. Don't know him. Can't even remember. He's like, what? Frank? No. Uh, I was I was thinking the Firefly guy for for him. Because he's done superheroes before. Yeah, Nathan Fillion. Yeah, there you go. Nathan See, Fillion's a You got that name. <laughs> Kudos. I don't I was, know. I don't I don't buy it. You don't think he's no. blocky jawed enough? No. Um it's because I watch him on Castle now and oh. he's so goofy. Yeah. And he I mean, after he did like Doctor Horrible sing along blog, I just can't <laughs> see anything other than goofiness from him. Okay. Well then, you know, let's go Dolph Lundgren then. If there if there could be a hybrid, a love child perhaps, <laughs> then that would be perfect. Oh, a a clone. Jensen Ackles? Eh, maybe not too. Maybe he's not old enough. Andy Richter. Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just go Andy Dick. You know why not? Well, that's even better. Yeah. I don't know who would. I don't. I don't. I, my brain is locking up on who would play a good. Uh, okay. It'll come I to you and you'll shout it randomly. I, yeah, later I thought in the it podcast. would be like a good random topic, like speak amongst yourself. But oh my god, who played the tick? Yeah, oh, that guy. Yes. Patrick. Patrick Warburton. Holy shit, I sir! Brilliant. You sir. win. Good job. You okay. fucking win. Yeah. Don't dislocate the shoulder. Patting yourself on the bizzack. <laughs> oh, wait. I know. You, you want to do it for me? No, no. Don't really want to touch you. So for the last two weeks, we've been reading <laughs> Rick Remender and Greg DeCini's The Last Days of American Crime. Yeah. Uh, this, was, this was Joel's suggestion. Uh, for the show, you so well like it. You know what? We're gonna go ahead and start with Joel. You can describe what it's about. Okay. And all the so when I when I started getting into comic books, I I was asking Andy that I really like noir stuff because he was feeding me the the really dark noir, and he's Neuer. like, oh, yeah, Neuer. And and I was I was like, okay, well, you Roger read this. Cuplog. You can't live those mistakes down. Anyway, so he he handed me this in. Not the trade paperback, but the, the single issues. And I read through it. And I, I pretty much read through the whole story in one night because this was everything that I'd look for in a story. I was, when I was raised, I would always sneak out after everybody was asleep and watch the old noir, like Cinemax movies with like Eric Roberts and all those movies where the drifter come into a town and he'd get fucked over and, you know, there's always the femme fatale. So I, you know, it, it's, it's kind of nostalgia for me. And this was right down that alley. And it's really down, it's really down the, the whole alley of like, you know, Dashiell Hammett or, or Elmore Leonard or um, Chandler. Raymond Chandler. Thank you. You sure it's not Rudyard? Rudyard, Rag dryard, flag, flag. But the the one thing that I like it, it, it starts out with the the main character in a very bad situation, and he's kind of sums sums up that he's not a very good person, and he got stuck in a bad situation, and then it moves on to a scene where he's talking about how he doused a guy with gasoline, and I was yeah. I was thinking diesel. The, well, yeah, of course it had to be diesel. And explains why he used diesel, yes. too. And, it's better for the environment. Uh-huh. And, it, <laughs> and after, after, that, after that, I got hooked. And it's got all the, you know, the standard tropes for, for noir. It's got the femme fatale. It's got the, the smart, rich guy who's, who's obviously pulling strings and using the main character as kind of his dupe. And also you have America. 
America is breaking <laughs> down on crime. This is what, the reason why it's the last days of American crime. There, it's uh-huh. breaking down on crime. And in seven days, there's going to be no crime because they're going to send out these beta wave radiation pulses. The signal. The signal that makes it impossible for anybody to do anything illegal. So they, they're going to have to do this one last caper. Get their money and then move up to yeah. I said caper, right? Yeah, right, right. I did. I would have used the term heist. Heist. Well, you know, if you Epic wanted heist. to be like, if you wanted to be century, boring, yeah, exactly. I'm doing <laughs> um, and then head up to Canada and they have everything planned up. But of course, things don't go perfectly well. Mm-hmm. And, <laughs> and that's and one way of putting it. Yes. Well, yeah, exactly. But there's there's some really great scenes in this. Um, and I, I thoroughly enjoyed every bit of it. You and I have vastly different definitions of things not going perfectly well. Okay, <laughs> so 33% of the group, are, is, or I'm sorry, 25% of the group is an informant for the FBI. 25% yeah. is batshit insane. Yeah. <laughs> and how? Yeah, that's, that's all normal. You know, there's always got to be the informant, the double agent. You know, uh, that was it was in what Swordfish, like the Halle Berry character was was double playing every. Maybe I shouldn't compare it to Sword. Yeah, yeah let's no. not compare it to Swordfish. The because first five minutes of Swordfish are amazing. Uh, oh, we we're talking about Dog Day Afternoon. The, then the rest of the movie is just shit. The, the rest of the movie is dumb. I enjoy it. Oh, it's yeah. dumb. Yes, and then you have the guy that just wants to get the score done, and then you have the the batshit crazy guy who has some definite <laughs> serious father, father issues. Father issues. <laughs> the art is done in in watercolors. It was done, I thought, amazingly well. Kind of gives a kind of surreal look to it, um, and I I just think how the wiliness of this of the main character how he gets out of situations and yes this guy is down on his luck and you think he's a loser but he's not a loser for not trying uh, he just has Bad the luck. cards yeah he has the cards stacked against him you he's know, very he reminds me a lot of uh, the character from Parker actually what, Parker was Parker? the Parker series I'm sorry. Okay, I don't know what you're talking about. Uh, it's by Richard Stark. It was a. Uh, you ever seen Payback? Yes. That is based on. Parker. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. The guy he just has bad luck. I can. See but that. even worse luck than the Parker, because at least the Parker had some kind of stashes that he could, you know, use some resources. This guy's he's in a trailer with his uh, mom. Yeah, Alzheimer mom. So Alzheimer mom. <laughs> well, she does have Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. I would have said with his mother who has <laughs> with Alzheimer's. With his Alzheimer mom. <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. His mother. Um, he's he's lives in a trailer park with his mother who has dementia. Giant sure. Alzheimer mom. <laughs> Smash. Um, Three hundred foot forgetful mom. <laughs> okay, I, guys. It's a Final Fantasy words. villain. <laughs> <laughs> Attacks with sandwiches. <laughs> it's super effective. Uh, yeah, exactly. And she throws, you and your party of criminal friends and th- stop and by and are defeated by mom's hard candy. <laughs> yes. And it, you know this. This was the first of Remender's books that I read, and it really got me. It really got me Sorry. stuck on this. I'm just keeping on moving here. Alzheimer oh, mom and dementia dad. <laughs> <laughs> The dynamic duo. <laughs> Superhero. <laughs> what? <laughs> <laughs> Quickly, we have to. Oh, we got to do something. What? What? I want to take a nap. Uh, I'll just sit down and watch some TV for a while. <laughs> <laughs> Quick, dimension that. <clears throat> Who the fuck are you? <laughs> 
You know, but the the thing is, this started me on the road of reading Remender before Frankencastle, and, and I really enjoy his stuff. And the one thing that I noticed after reading other Remender books, like uh, Fear Agent, which is really good, yeah, oh, so and, and and then also who's a flawed main character too, and and X Force. We're gonna pause for a sec because we actually got an email for this show. <gasps> uh, the email comes from it's signed Cyber Noir. Cyber Noir writes in and says, what is each of yours favorite Remender book? I'd have to say it's always going to be Fear Agent for me. A good B-movie style comic is a rare gem. I'm going to say this is the only Remender book I've read except for the first two issues of, of Uncanny, X, Uncanny X-Force. Yeah. So I I honestly can't contribute to this answer, but you guys, you I know at least you and Andy have read more, so why don't you guys Have they collected ahead. Fear Agent? Yeah, because that would be great if because I only read it in single issues. So Fury Agent was a guy, just a normal bloke living in Texas who gets his family blown away by alien invasion. And it turns out that the alien invasion is because it's a cold war between two warring alien factions and just Earth just got stuck in the middle of it. And this guy actually fights back between these superpowers and and havoc and whatnot and he likes his scotch it's so fucking it's whiskey it's so fucking good yeah it is and it's really good highly recommend it i've heard what i've been told about it is that it's it's modern sci-fi sensibilities in a 50s cheeseball sci-fi setting (laughs) yeah nice i think i think i like a a really good action hero i I was going to say schwarzenegger but the fear agent character is schwarzenegger it's stuck in mars attacks yeah, you know. that's actually it's huh. like Mars Attacks meets Aliens. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's the best way I can that, describe it. That actually yeah. sounds pretty cool. It's oh. and it's fantastic. I wish I had. I, I've I've heard good things about Remender's mm-hmm. writing, and and we'll get into my opinions of Last Days of American Crime here shortly. But um, I'm just uh, I I want to read something better by him mm-hmm. because I haven't been. I, I wasn't. 100% taken with Last Days of American Crime like other people were. Yeah. So he he writes dark stuff really well. And that's the one thing is a lot like Anne how you were talking about your happy go lucky movies that you watched on your date night. This is Remender. He <laughs> he doesn't do happy go lucky. He does bleak. My, I I think I would like He's him. like a I, funnier I Ed like him based on this. Yeah. 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 Yes. Yeah. And just the his little introspection from the main characters like their thoughts in their heads is Amazing, uncanny X Force. Yeah, Rick Remender writes the best Deadpool that I've seen since Deadpool was created. Yeah, that ain't saying much in the current state of Deadpool. Deadpool originally was a very good character. Yes, that he was absolutely. Wacky for about uh, fifteen years or something like that. Well, having the having the the wisecracking assassin type character is fine, and he was fine at that. But they went overboard with it, and now he's in what ten books, something like that. Eight. I, ridiculous wow and some of them are like deadpool max is terrible fucking terrible (laughs) yes it is there's not a lot of people that like it you know the one thing though is that deadpool is one of those things where you can't it's kind of like will ferrell you can't have him as the main focus Mm. of the whole story yes he's he's a good bit player and he he does he's good in cameos yeah he does play off other characters and in x-force x-force it's a whole it's a whole team so kind of like kind of like joey from friends he was fine as a side character in friends but you give him his own show and everything fucking falls apart jack of fables as previously mentioned yes exactly Uh, he's also writing venom if i remember correctly oh Oh, yeah yeah yeah. i heard about that venom's great and i heard venom's really good great you know okay and i have to say this is this is the reason why i like trade paperbacks because the first venom i read 
was horrible. And I didn't really like it. I was like, meh, you know, it's kind of like how you're feeling about Last Days of American Crime. Uh, I read the second one and I thought, oh, okay, this is pretty good. I want to read more. So I like trade paperbacks because it gives me enough time to go through the whole story arc. Because sometimes when you only read one issue and it kind of just ends, it doesn't really have any resolution or anything like that. I hate that. So I, I love the trade paperback where you have a complete story arc. You can read the whole story. I agree. I've been I've been the same way about TV shows as well. That's why I like waiting until the TV show is out on DVD yeah. or on Netflix or something to That's watch same it. Same way. Because I would rather sit down in a weekend or two weekends and watch an entire TV show all the way, like an entire season of a TV show all the way through yeah. than have to wait and watch it every fucking week. Yeah, um, and then wait. But... The problem that seems problematic to me with like Venom, you're talking about the first episode didn't catch you like that's that's a problem in the writing. Right. Because when you're writing episodic fiction of any kind, Mm. you have to be able to capture people with that first issue or with any issue and draw them into wanting to read more. And if you if it didn't happen for you, then that means that there was something wrong with that issue. You know, no. Yeah. And that's true. But that would I would say the same thing about what we did last episode which was unwritten where if i had read the first issue of unwritten and and nothing had really happened it was just the story of tommy taylor i was like "Eh, okay this is not what i like you know and would have just not continued reading it but now that i gave it a chance in the trade paperback that i could see the whole storyline and and where this story was going I, I like it a lot better. So that's I, one thing. I think I think if I had read Last Days of American Crime in individual issues, I think that that first issue gives enough of a of a hook that I would have I would have continued reading it. Helps that it's double sized. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah, that's fair. Having read the whole trade, though, uh, there I have some issues with this particular noir story story um, because it, it it is it's a heist book mm. like. If you want to boil it down, it's a heist book. Yeah, it's all it about is. it's all about his heist, and it's um, it's kind of a bloody, gritty, dirty heist book, but it's a heist book nonetheless. And one of my things about heist stories in general is that they're the the typical formula for a heist story is they gather a group of people, they come up with a plan, they try to execute the plan, and some part of the plan fails or gets interfered with. They adjust. The heist happens. Usually it's successful. Yeah. This book follows that formula almost, except for the fact that in the middle, the part where parts of the heist get fucked with isn't so much that parts of the heist gets fucked with. It's that there's one or two issues at the beginning where they gather the team and they come up with the plan. There's one issue at the end where they actually do the heist and they you know, figure out the success. And then the middle is random bullshit happening to the characters. No, I have to agree with that. Yeah. And it's not, it's not like something, you know, somebody, it, it just doesn't feel cohesive. It feels like the, the shit that's happening in the, to them, to them in the middle is there for no other reason than to fuck them up. It doesn't feel like there's any reason for it to happen. It doesn't really feel like it's part of the story to me. Mm. So I, I don't know. I just um, okay. I would have to agree. For I, have a, I have a question. When so the the at the beginning puts the dude in a bathtub full of diesel with a lit cigarette. When does that dude come back around? That is the, the third in the last issue. No, that's or the, the second, second issue. issue. Okay, that's the one place where I thought he did have some coherent structure going on. In general, I, I thought that the structure. I'm sorry. I really want to talk about the structure. I'm mm. cutting it off. Um, I thought it was really well set up, um, a la the style of. A novella which is like mm-hmm. it's like a gun 
you load the bullets at the beginning you fire them off at the end unfortunately the middle part where the gun is toted around and waved at people was like you say kind of random yeah um but in general i thought the framing in the first and last issues was great but if you like compare this to any other trilogy of things star wars being the easiest it it didn't have the 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 empire man the empire part in the middle was weak it totally had the empire part in the middle okay so the I, result of him throwing like before the story starts it leads to the bathtub scene where he throws right. the, the match with the diesel that leads to actions because that guy survives and he brings his buddies in to fuck him yeah. up mm-hmm. the oh my god I can't remember the psychopath's name um, Kevin Lead, Cash Kevin Cash thank you Kevin Cash's family issues which he resolves in the second issue as well okay. lead to him getting attacked if I remember correctly the Mexican drug lord comes in. The fact that the girl has actually been busted by the FBI and that they're using her as a double agent, that all gets brought in in okay. the second issue. I so, think the second issue is solid. What was mixing me up was I felt like if there's one, like I really like this book in general. If there's one weakness, it's the tendency for the action scenes to overwhelm the plot. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. And that's okay. I realize that's part of noir genre, but I thought... It's not necessarily even that he took it too far or was too dark or violent because it's going to be a dark and violent book. No yeah. figure. It's that sometimes I was sorting through the action scenes for too long to really focus on, you know, sort of the beautiful contrapasso to be pretentious again um, of what was going on. Yeah. yeah. I, I didn't really agree with him going, the, the, the cash character going home with his father and having the whole confrontation there. I, I didn't really know what, was resolved going through that though before wasn't that all for the laser cutter uh, like that was the whole point of that was that that was the guy that was running the job where he knew about the laser cutter that they were going to use to get into the the vault Mm -hmm. yeah so he had to steal it from his dad and blow up his house and his well he had and shoot his shoot his little brother yeah Yeah. it's like his mother his (laughs) his brother's son is is that what it was? Something like that, yeah. yeah. <clears throat> so, like, scenes that stick out in this book for me. Um, in the first issue, uh, the bathtub scene, obviously. That yeah. panel where the guy is duct-taped in the bathtub, soaking in diesel, and it's like sort of the three-quarters isometric view, mm-hmm. that's actually the cover of the second edition of the first book. And I picked mm-hmm. that up specifically just so I could get that as a cover. Because I think that is so much better than the one that has uh, the girl on the cover. It's yeah. Just, that doesn't strike me like the girl cover is like eh, that's you know whatever um other scenes in that issue when he fucks the chick in the bathroom and they're talking yeah. and she's like oh, i just wanted to check one thing check off my list. my list what's yeah. that i want to fuck a loser yeah oh that's so good and like you great can exchanges see like that like mm-hmm. you know and then he meets them and he's re- oh god these are the people that i'm partnered with for this crime could my luck be any worse oh yeah yeah it, it could yeah um in the second book in the the cartel scene where the curb stomp happens to the guy's face <laughs> mm. oh that's just and and the screwdriver and, and, and the screwdriver through the ear it's oh, yeah. foul and that's clearly one of the scenes that bothers me about like what the fuck was the point it was it was like it hadn't the guy was in a random neighborhood and he fucking like yes i guess the point is one of his foibles is that he wants to go buy some meth yeah but I don't know. It just didn't feel like it. It didn't flow. It felt like really out of place, and it felt like the only reason it was there was to, for a reason for more violence in the book. And it didn't. It just didn't feel like there was. There was I, already I, enough, uh, enough setup for Kevin's 
bullshit yeah. without having adding that extra thing mm-hmm. in and adding that so violence. I so think I think like, for me what it was it was it showed because all the times before that it showed this character it was the computer geek, right? He was the guy that was supplying the money and supplies but he really didn't have anything to bring as forth his skills other than like computer hacking skills. And this was the, the first chick time was the hacker though, right? Oh, the yeah, chick, chick was, was the hacker. Was, yeah. So th- the only thing was is that he it, it he was kind of uh, a a puny little rich boy, you yeah. know. He really didn't. He wasn't made out for the streets, and this was the first time where you really saw that this guy was streetwise, and he was willing to kill anybody. And then you realize he's a badass. Well, and to some degree, I have to say that that's one of the things that disappointed me about that was that I would, I would, I would almost have rather not seen that scene because I think it would have had mm-hmm. his turn at the end would have had more impact. See, yeah. no, I disagree because I, I think without that setup. Um, so you've got, you know, geeky computer guy. All of a sudden, in the last book, when he's a threat, he is just, you know, he is so much more badass than you possibly expected him to be. If you didn't have that scene early on, you'd be like, what the fuck? This guy's been, you know, a complete pussy the entire time. And then no, all of a sudden. No, because you still have the entire scene in his dad's mansion. You have this entire scene where he is a. He's a. Death machine. Like death machine murder badass. Where he's murder like, machine. Yeah, yeah. Where he, you know, he's got the fucking eight ball bomb that goes under the chair. He blows a bunch of people up. He he kills everybody in that fucking house, including his brother slash son, you know, and, and then he walks away from the whole thing with a bullet in his back and still walks still away, walks still walks away, away. from it. So I don't know. And I thought that that scene was fine. And that scene was, it was... There was a reason, like, in the context of the heist book, there was a reason for him having to go there. They needed a tool. He knew a place where he could get the tool. The place happened to be a, you know, a shitty place for him to go that fell apart on him and turned to shit. Um, The scene later where he kills the drug dealers just felt, to me, it felt superfluous. You know, I think the difference between those two scenes is about character development and emotional involvement because he was completely emotionally involved with his family and that did a great deal for us to see, like, the dark and terrible yeah. crevasse of his soul. But the drug dealers are just... They're douchebags that tried to kill him. Right. And he He's stopped try them to from kill killing him. Yeah. That's normal. <clears throat> yeah. We need to see his, like, weird abnormal. And I think one of the, th- one of the things was is that uh, one of the themes... Was that the, this was a character, the main character had an addiction, he had a way of life that he was going, and he was trying to go straight, mm-hmm. you know. And so he talks about in the, in the first, when it starts out, that, you know, he has this itch mm-hmm. that he's having to deal with, and this main character had overcome that, where, where Cash didn't. He's still bad. He's still wallowing in, in that evilness, yeah, you know, and he and he still needed to scratch that itch, and he knew how to do it, and somebody tried to get in between him and that itch, and he took them out, you know. So there's, and, and I think that sh- that shows the difference between the main character who, th- through most of this, most of the book, wears kind of light colors, and and the cash character who wears mostly dark colors. Yeah. You know, kind of like the two sides of a coin, where this guy's trying to go good and he's doing his one last one last heist. See, not caper heist before <laughs> <laughs> before you know he could do good. Where this other guy, he's just doing. He's got money. He's got women. He's got everything. The only reason why he's doing this is because, you know, he needs something to do. That's his hit. Exactly. And so um, maybe maybe that's he's showing the difference between the two where this guy is going out and trying to be good. And uh, the other guy is going out trying to be is credi- incredibly bad. Yeah. I guess I just felt 
overall, like there was not enough time spent on the actual heist itself. No, um, I don't think the heist was the point. I think yeah. the main point of the book is the conflict between the the two guys. Yeah, it's character. That's fair. Uh, that's fair. I I don't know. I and I when I mean the heist, I don't necessarily mean the actual act of the robbery, but like the setup and but whatnot. the setup for the robbery and the, and all the shit that you know has to happen to make it go right. Um, like one of the biggest problems for me at the end, especially, was the part where they steal the shit and then. The, the signal the signal happens and it turns out it works you find out that kevin's a sociopath so he doesn't actually like it doesn't affect him because he has no real inkling of right and wrong <laughs> which which well, that really that i got to say was actually pretty good that that was that was, fa- that was fabulous. absolutely fabulous in the in the book the the concept that you know you the government is taking away free will by broadcasting a signal that prevents anyone from doing anything that they know to be illegal and then you realize at the end that it has no effect on people who have no distinction between right and wrong, which is which was really cool, and I like that. Um, the problem that I had was that uh, what's the chick's name? I can never fucking Shelby. Because Shelby's Shelby has that distinction. She knows the difference between right and wrong. She's not a sociopath, and yet somehow she was able to lie to the police officers that she ran away with about whether or not mm-hmm. the box that she had was real or not. And I'm like, no, you're in a fucking cop car, and if you know if the signal is preventing you from doing anything you know to be wrong slash illegal, you're not going to lie to the cops about the thing that you've got in your hands. There needed to be something where either she was also duped, yes, or if if she if they had she could if like, they had made it more clear where she actually yeah. thought the box she had was fake, mm-hmm. then I would have accepted the the way the book ended, but. She didn't think the box was fake, is to the best of my knowledge, and maybe that's one of the problems with the way this book ends, is maybe that it's just not clear, right? It's entirely possible that, okay, maybe she got handed a box that she thought was real or that she thought was fake because it had quarters in it or whatever, but they don't. he doesn't explain it well enough to, to get around the entire, like, hook in his story. Mm-hmm. Okay, so here's my understanding. The blonde guy, he realizes that, A, he has incredibly bad luck, and B, there's going to be this heist that goes down. I think that he figures out that Kevin... Graham Brick is the Graham blonde Brick guy. is the blonde Cash guy. is okay. the right. sociopath. Okay. He, he knows what's going on, and he's like, okay, so I'm going to get fucked. Here's how things are going to play out. I'm going to double-cross and double-cross these people so they're double-crossing each other, but actually, in my double-double-crossing, the girl, <laughs> I'm actually working with her. So he sets it up so that Cash gets killed, he sets it up so that the girl thinks that she got double-crossed when she really didn't. Mm. And then, in the end, everything works out for him. Except for his best friend getting shot in the head. Well, that was sort yeah. of beyond his control. Yeah. Collateral damage. Yeah, I I don't know. I, well, I do have to say, with the, the whole Shelby thing and getting away, he does say, one of the FBI agents, cop is giving you an order, it's legal, move sister. So she doesn't ever have to say anything. The cops mm. just move her along. But they, there's a gap in there, right? There's a gap after the cops take her away. No, between think, the time that they take her away and the time that she shows up at Graham's place with the supposedly fake box. No, they're making the assumption that she cannot commit a crime. That So that there was no way that she had... Like, they don't know that a heist has taken place. Why the hell would you ask someone, hey, did you steal some money when no one can commit a crime? No, that's that's not the case because they know about the box. So? The she the does. box is the crime. 
But she doesn't have to say anything. They move her along. I suppose. That makes me wonder how much room for sins of omission are in this new society. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm. and that's, I guess you can call it nitpicky of me, but uh, that's... Well, you know, but that is that is a, a big loophole. But I, I honestly, I don't think, I think they've they've smited the bad guy, the true bad guy in this. Yeah. They get away, the guy, the, the guy gets the girl, they go off to uh, a sunny place in the tropics, he saves his mom. Brazil? Uh, it's actually Mexico. 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 Yeah, it's okay. Mexico. You know, and that at the end, the the whole, I, I guess, what I'm saying, the climax is the killing of the bad guy. You oh, know, yeah. that whole conflict there. And after that, you know, if everything's just kind of resolution. Then like, the wall. The the heist itself, really, like I said, isn't that big of a deal. No. Yeah. Yeah. Uh-huh. It's kind of funny the way they mention it at the end. It's like, oh, and we'll live happily ever after in a completely lovely law-abiding life except for the millions we're embezzling from the u.s government Eh. can i mention how i really like the names no yes i can um why would you like the names because they're they're a little bit dickensian okay meaning like Graham Brick is such like a, a solid guy and he has this rock very hard solid bottom. Okay. Graham <laughs> Brick. Yeah. He's so, made out of bricks. So what about Big Shelby McLarge or Graham Shelby Crackers? Dupree. Shelby Dupree is the dupe. Oh, okay. And then Kevin Cash okay. is yeah, sort the, of all about the, the rich cash, guy but he's the rich guy. Yeah. Anyway, subtle, but I appreciated it. Oh, okay. I never saw that. There are bits and pieces of this book that I really, really like. Um, and I, I do have I, to say, the art sometimes you got to you you were right. The proportions are oh, uh, the art. I'm not a There's, fan of the art. I like the art. I really wish I could be because there are some pages. There are some pages in this book where it's clear that that Greg Tacchini took time and effort to you know to make something nice and it it looks it looks like he spent some time and energy on yeah. it. The scene and then in the bathroom. The scene in the bathroom. And <laughs> yeah. then there's and then there's like the scene of the wrecking car. That's one thing. And then the the panel that I brought up earlier and that I that I hope everybody who's who's read this takes a look at at the very end of the book, literally the last page the first panel of the last page where Shelby is crossing her heart. She looks like a mutant in that scene. She looks she looks like a mutant who has been beaten by her abusive boyfriend. Yeah. It, it looks fucking terrible. There, there are times where there's there's one scene where they just they just had sex and Shelby's cooking breakfast for Graham, and it's, she's sitting there with this plate with this plate of yeah. food, and she looks like a fetal alcohol syndrome character. <laughs> no, seriously, the eyes are wide spaced apart. I don't. You gotta at or, least race that. Or here's an, here's here's another one on the after she has screwed Graham and she's she's back with Kevin. He he's like he's being jealous boyfriend guy. And then the last panel on that page, he looks like he looks like one of the bad guys from the Hills Have Eyes, and she looks like she is dead on his shoulder. I I don't know I. That's there, true. And and on the opposite end of the spectrum, there are certain scenes that are just really well done, yeah. and, and like certain scenes where I really like the the characterizations that Greg Tuzini, especially his characterization of the uh, transsexual uh, that he uses to frame um, the other security guy. Mm-hmm. Like I thought you liked eggs. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just it flip flops back and forth. I'm not. 
I'm not a fan because his artwork rem- reminds me, shockingly enough, here we go, his artwork reminds me a lot of Alex Maleev, who does a lot of yeah. the covers to the book, and I'm not a fan of Alex Maleev's art. That's one of the reasons why I wasn't that interested in picking up the new Moon Knight, because I don't like Maleev's artwork. I didn't like it in Daredevil. I don't like it. And I liked I it in Daredevil. Eh, I, I thought like it wasn't it. hugely compelling, but then my taste so? runs towards David Boring. Max, so. Shh. Yeah. I like collages in my comic books. I do. Oh, shucks. <laughs> you have to read cages now. <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, I, one thing, it, just flipping through the book, I noticed just the color scheme where at the beginning it starts off with, you know, he, it's all stark blues. And then if you just, if you're flipping through the book and he's done with his heist and burning a guy, then it goes to a kind of sunset and at the end of his day and it's kind of rosy colors. And that's where he meets Shelby at first. And it's all reds when they're having sex in the bathroom, and then it then later on yeah, it goes it to is. Starks. Yeah, it goes to Stark Blue where he goes back to his life. You know, you can just kind of notice there is kind of a theme that's going through all of his. Writing. He makes some really bad decisions. The girl with the black eye who's got the fuck me pumps on going into the bathroom. <laughs> I'm going to follow her in there because that's going to lead to something good happening. This is what you do when you're clean off drugs apparently. Well, yeah, but look the guy's a security officer. He he doesn't have any money. He lives in a trailer with his with his dementia mom. <laughs> dementia mom. Giant Alzheimer's mom. Exactly. Uh, He's going to take whatever he can get. Alright? The, the guy's a loser. Even if she's got a black eye. You wouldn't hit it? Nah. No? Okay. Dude, that, that's like nature's warning sign. <laughs> the black eye? Yeah. <laughs> Somebody already warned her once. Warning coloration. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. <laughs> I'm not going to warn you again. I already done told her once. Yeah, exactly. Well, that means that she has low standards. You know, she set her value, her sights low, and you could probably get, you could probably hit that. You know? I, and that's the bathroom. conclusion you draw? Let's hit this in the bathroom? Yeah, exactly. Why not? She's got low standards. Let's go. Yeah, well, so does he. Yeah. Okay. Well, exactly. see, there you go. He, he's he's got no standards. I, I'm just saying. So on the subject that we talked about earlier, we talked about the fact that this was potentially being made into a movie, mm-hmm. and I remember reading this book, and I remember thinking to myself, I, I tried the first time I read it, and I've read it twice since we uh, since we decided to to do it for the show. Um, I remember seeing the main character and trying to think of who I would want to play Graham Brick in a movie, right? Yeah. And there was this actor in my head that I could not think about. It took me weeks to actually figure out who it was bruce willis right yeah neil mcdonough oh my god oh yeah he is graham brick oh yeah right oh yeah (laughs) no he he is and he would he would be a good one too and so i like if they do make a movie out of this which i hope they do because like one of one of the biggest drawbacks to this book for me was the artwork so maybe if i if they put it in a different medium where i'm not you know where the artwork isn't going to hurt it and they you know cast this guy as the as the lead character then I'll watch it. Well, and to tell you the truth, all the heist movies before this have been kind of touchy-feely. I mean, like Entrapment, The Italian Job, that kind of stuff is all like, hey, look, we can trick you around and stuff. It's We've not got been, minis. It's yeah, fun, child. Yeah, it's, it's, been, it's not as gritty as this. And so You're right, you, but I like those kind of heist movies sometimes. Like, the, the Ocean's Eleven was a great don't, fucking Don't get me wrong, movie. I actually watch Ocean's Twelve, too, and I haven't gotten to Ocean's oh, Thirteen. Oh, Twelve was so bad. Oh, what do you, what do you expect? So bad. The, the third one redeemed it a little bit yeah. the third one was okay the first one's still by far the best yeah. but oceans 12 was fucking terrible i'm a i'm a sucker for heist movies too i i, yeah. I like how they can trick the cops and all that oh hey you didn't see this coming um ronan but, 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah, Ronan was pretty good too. Mm-hmm. Good trace scenes. So I was actually kind of surprised when you said that they're making this into a movie because I would probably buy it. Yeah, I mean, I don't know. If they can if they can make it a little bit more cohesive, you know, then then it would be interesting to me. It just felt it felt very jumbled when I was reading it in it. And maybe that's partially the artwork too because that's the kind of the art style mm-hmm. is yeah. very kind of a jumbled, you know, mishmash kind of art style i don't know yeah and as much as i love like collage artwork um some of the action scenes were hard to follow because of the collaginess yeah they were Um, some of the action scenes really can you really do a car chase scene in a comic book no well you can but he doesn't do well i'll tell you though the scene that the action scene that that was terrible to me was when he's fighting his dad and they show the the one panel where he actually kills his dad with the fucking pick whatever it is the pickaxe that is so dumb looking Mm. like it looks like he kind of sort of pierces his scalp a little bit you know yeah it just like the that Per, that angle and that fight would never have actually happened, and it just didn't. I want to see if he's gonna f- kill this fucker. I want him like piercing the forehead, just like gritty, brutal, like you're fucking dead. Death Not of this... Trotsky axe in the skull. Yeah, yeah, seriously. Yeah, and I I have to agree because out of this whole book, and I, I do love the book. That was the one scene where I really couldn't figure out what the hell was going <laughs> yeah. on. I had, to, I had to go there. back and read read again. It's like, okay, why is he here again? It's like, oh, okay, well, it's his father. Okay, then wh- who's this kid? What? Yeah. Um, I didn't really understand the whole scene. I do understand now he had to get the laser cutter, but the art and the story was kind of disjointed, and you really couldn't understand what was going on, mm-hmm. so I'd have to agree. You all have lost your goddamn minds. It's brilliant. The art is amazing. I mean, the I like the style fantastic. overall. The story is fantastic. I like Scalpy McScalp Piercer. Yeah, but I, I'm absolutely it's fine. It's such a terrible it's a, panel. It's a fucking comic book, Luke. Get yeah. over it. Yeah. This isn't Picasso. A comic book is a, gives the artist the opportunity to actually pause on a scene and show you what's happening. This and was released this three issues, one month apiece. The guy had one month to draw 32 pages. I, that's fine, yeah. but like, it's not hard. If you want to show somebody getting killed by a goddamn pickaxe, it's not that hard to make it look like he's getting killed by a fucking pickaxe not like it might leave him a little bit of fucking scar on his head it, it just looks it and the scene just looks dumb like did you understand that he had a, a pickaxe pickaxe shoved through his head no i i understood that he got nicked by a pickaxe on the side of his head that's my point that panel is what I'm arguing. I'm not arguing the scene surrounding it. Yes, after the fact, I understand <laughs> that it is... <laughs> he's getting hey, killed Rancho. by a pickaxe. <laughs> that he's getting killed by a pickaxe. But that particular panel just bothers me because right. because of the fact that you have the opportunity. I mean, especially when you have so much other... Amazing. Brutality in here. Like, the the guys that were staking out his camper to kill his mom. <laughs> the first guy, when they show him get killed and half of his head is exploding for being shot by a shotgun, that's what they I... shot brain explosion. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And yep. that's, that's what I... You have one end of the spectrum there where his head's exploding, and then you have a little nick on the side of his, you know, by his ear... 
and supposedly that kills that, him. It that, just it just top panel when the guy gets shot in the head, like the the right hand side of his face as it's yeah. like mm-hmm. turning to mush. Yeah. yeah, that is that's that's good. If so. it hasn't already been stated, this is probably the most graphic of the books we've read so far. That's yeah, that's what I was. I I was either going to go with this this one or Desolation Jones, which I thought Desolation Jones was uh, was a little bit more graphic. Yeah, but we haven't read that one yet. No. Right on the podcast. I, I, no, we haven't. No, we haven't. But this, the, I, my decisions. I wanted to go pulpy noir, which you know I got. Joel is from the future. <laughs> we have read it. No, I, but I so think huh? that the next episode of this podcast we do should be episode twenty-seven. Right, we can, <laughs> and then fill it in, and fill it in. Oh my god! And then we can polybag it. <laughs> <laughs> it's gonna have two different covers. Ah, uh, yes. And I wanted to start the wrap up because I'm the only, I seem right. to be the only person that was iffy about this book. I'm, I don't, I just keep seeing this photo of Neil McDonald and I just want to go, Matt Damon. <laughs> no, no. Uh, um, I don't dislike the book. Oh, you dislike it. Just say I dis- it. I, no, I dislike the artwork. I, I okay. will, I will say that outright. I, I don't, mm. I'm not a fan of Greg Ticini's artwork. Um, there are bits and parts that I think are okay, but overall I, I'm, I, I find his artwork jumbled and hard to follow and sometimes mute, mutant. Um, yeah. But the writing in the book, I, I think, is fine, um, mm. except that I, you know, the problems that I've expressed with, with the middle of the story kind of being, to me, a little bit pointless. I'm very blah about this. I was, yeah. And I've read it twice in the last two weeks. And I'm trying I'm just to find something of, that was redeeming. Seriously, about it. like I, I'm just like, I really want to like it. I really want I, I there's good parts about it that I really yeah. want to to be able to talk about and say, yes, this is this is what I like. But it just kind of fell flat for me. I didn't enjoy it as much as I could have. Um, overall, I loved the structure and the storytelling style. Um, some of the some of the action scenes I was mediocre on. Then again, I'm not like super. I get okay, okay. Here, here's what it is. I love the noir aspect of it, but the noir aspect is not necessarily about all of the sex and violence. It's about the character development and like the brainular fuck upness of the characters. Brainular <laughs> fuck upness. Mm, <laughs> mm, yeah. Right. Yeah. That's going to be in the strap line for the show. Thank you. I are, <laughs> I are smart in I, the brains. I would have um, gone with this is a perfect example of the consequences of a series of poor decisions. Right? <laughs> there you go. Right. Brainular fuck upness. That's I what also, she said. <laughs> I also appreciated the little dystopian aspects of it. Like the whole concept of the broadcast I thought was was fascinating and it was an interesting plot device that could drive the whole story forward in a nice clock ticky linear way <laughs> i'm no. not gonna be any more coherent than this it's the unwritten's fault isn't it you <laughs> you've used all your brain currency trying to figure out what the fuck is going on in that book so something simple you're like no um like i like the fact that canada and mexico are defending their borders against you know american expatriates that's that's fantastic in general, I would I would read more Rick Remender books based on this because I'm interested to see what else he does in his like depth and breadth as a writer. I really like Rick Remender as a writer. Um, I l- really like Greg Tachini's art. While I will admit there are panels that are flawed, I still think that was the perfect combination for this story. And while Joel will say that it's an, uh, a story that's about a heist or something like that, I'm assuming it really like. The actions and the events that are going on are secondary to the character development. You have a, a, a protagonist, I use that term loosely, 
who has obviously made some really poor choices and continues to make poor choices. The difference is at the start of this book, he realizes that he is going to make poor choices and plans ahead to ensure that the horrible outcomes from those poor choices don't fuck him over. Or at least don't fuck his, his giant Alzheimer's mom over. Yeah, okay. Giant Alzheimer's mom. <laughs> and I, I like the fact that he he really is the... Uh, oh, what's the word? The most re- He has the most redeeming characteristics of all the characters. And in the end, he gets away with it. He pulls the heist off. He gets the money. He gets the girl. He kills the bad guy. Saves his mom. Saves his mom. Things turn out all right for him. Which felt a little saccharine for this book. Yeah. Yeah. I'm okay with that every once in a while. Yeah. I was okay I, with that. No, in this don't case. get me wrong. I don't mind I don't mind happy endings. I I in fact am fine <laughs> with happy endings after the late nineties to early two thousands when every fucking thing on the planet had to have some twist bad ending. In this um, end we at the end of this the twist is we kill a puppy. Yeah, right. Oh. I, it, it got um jeez. It got bad it got ridiculous after a while where every fucking thing had to have a downer ending and it's like it's nice when the good guy fucking wins every once in a while you know so as a parallel um joel you you read these both about the same time i did the other book that you read was noir and how does that book end which noir noir oh tiny black book 12 stories had brubaker oh the gabriel ba and um badly (laughs) <laughs> bad night out or not bad night out, uh one bad night um so noir is published by dark horse comics the gabriel boss story at the end is amazing because you don't know what it's about until the very end and then you read it and you're like oh my god why did i not see that coming hmm. that but it's like such a downer ending and then in this it's got a pretty all right ending i mean things work yeah, out yeah yeah okay and you know what? I don't want all of my stories to end with, yeah, you know what? He had a moral victory, but he lost his arms and legs and face was his face was eaten by dogs. <laughs> it's like the discussion in Clerks about Empire versus Jedi. Empire, and Dante's yeah. like, Empire had the better ending. It did. That's what life is, a series of down endings. And that may be true, but we all need that. We need Return of the Jedi. It's we need escape. some Ewoks every once in a while. Yeah, seriously. An Ewoky there needs to well. be an escape. There needs to be mm-hmm. those saccharine endings every once in a while. And uh, and I don't know. It, it it Not everything can be Terry Gilliam's Brazil. Yeah. Now, I know Andy was putting a word in my mouth about it being a heist. It was really about the characters. And when I read a comic book, I want, I want escapism. I mean, honestly, that's what we're looking for. And a lot of the time when you're reading spandex, you know, Superman, Batman, um, Spider-Man, all those men, the, it's, so many men. it's a little unrealistic. Yeah, it's, it's a little. A little? Un- a little, oh, it's a little. You just described Spider-Man and Superman as a little unrealistic. You know, <laughs> Some guys still try to fly through the air, but you know and my aunt's going to die, so I'm going to make a deal with the devil to reverse time. Is Joel Simon's definition of unrealistic? A my little, girlfriend died, so I'm going to fly around the planet backward to make the planet spin backward and re- and turn back time. Well, yeah, what? the unrealistic part was that you know he could fly, so it's just a little. But 
on the flip side of that, you have these you have these stories which are noir, where you you get to see a little piece, a sliver of a world that you don't get a part of, you know, you know or you don't ever want a part of. You don't want to be in these guys' situation, but you want to say, okay, well, I want to see how badly things could be if I'm have to deal with a drug dealer who's high on on ether and has been knocking his hose up left and right. You know, you want to see how you can get out of the situation. And that's what I love, the escapism of it. Like, okay, I, what, what does this guy do? And so if, and some guys, if you're down on your luck, you, you would like to see somebody throw you a bone and, you know, have sex in, in a bathroom. You know, it's, it's stuff. Black that, eyes are so hot. They, <laughs> she's a little rough, you know, a little gothic, I, I guess, an emo. Go ahead. I don't know what I'm trying to say. But Femme anyway. Fatale. She definitely is a femme fatale it, to a point. Le- yeah. Well, and I, I appreciated that she got a good ending, too. Yeah. Because I was like, this needs to not be another women in refrigerator story or I'm going to be mad. <laughs> oh, head in the box. Yeah. Kind of stuff. <laughs> What's, What's in the, the box? box? <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, and, and I just really love, I love the characters. You had a really bad guy. So bad that he's a sociopath where everybody else turns, you know, nice and clean and he can't. You know, that's how evil this guy is. Yeah. Yeah. You have a, a bad girl who's trying to use every all her means to, to get through life and, you know, attaches her 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 wagon to a sociopath just because it could give her to a better life. And we got Graham Brick who knows that he's going in for a bad deal. He knows that he has his one last chance to get out of this bad situation that he's in and he's going to take it, even though it's bad decisions left and right. And he's made enough through his life. He's lived some life, obviously. Been to jail, gotten back out. He's no, he knows how to get out of those bad situ- situations. And now he's going to use this one last Hail Mary to make it out. So you know, to rewind for just a sec, after speaking about that part, it reminded me of a scene that I actually want, that I actually really, really like in the book that I wanted to bring up was the scene where he's headed off to the heist and he decides to sit down and start talking to his mom mm-hmm. and telling her, you know, yeah. telling her who he actually is, that he's not his brother, that he got his brother into trouble. And, you know, that there's a note for the next door neighbor to come by, and you know, to take care of the situation. And there's that scene. I really, really, really liked that scene because I liked the moment where he gets about two thirds of the way through trying to describe this to his mom who can't understand what he's actually telling her. And he finally stops and he's just like, why am I unburdening myself on somebody that can't even understand what I'm saying? It's not for me. It's not for her. It's for me. And he's just like, don't worry about it, mom. She'll find the note. And he was like that. That was to me, probably one of the best written scenes in the whole book. And it was one of the best like character driven scenes in the whole book to me. Yeah. And honestly, that's what I look for when I read books, those kind of scenes where, where you, it kind of gives you goosebumps because you can see into another person's life and you can actually, okay, I can identify with this person. You know, I can see in this situation, would I do something like that? Or, you know, what would a person do in this, with these hard times? And that's what I like to, to get from these comic books. You know, it, yeah, it's nice to shoot laser beams from your eyes every once in a while. It, Seems kind of cool, but that gets old after a while. But it's better to nail a chick in a bathroom with a black eye. <laughs> Who doesn't like? Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> I'm going to take the laser beam eyeballs. That's just me. Yeah. So, uh, that would so be your, useful for your main problem is just the black eye. <laughs> just saying. The sex in a bathroom of a really dive bar just does not. That doesn't do it for me. You you haven't seen Crash, have you? I've seen Crash. 
You can okay. You can have it in different places. I, <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. Maybe you can have it in different places. Bathroom sex. Thank you for that sage statement, Mr. Joel Simon. <laughs> well, just well, say The next time I'm having missionary style, or it's like when you know things like to get spiced up. Yeah, <laughs> missionary style in the bed, facing the other way. No, <laughs> with the with the lights on. That's crazy. well, you can do that. Yeah, it's so. A, Try it sometime. So before we move on, and, and you wanted to bring up your your purchasing ah. ordeal with, yes. uh, <laughs> oh, yeah, let's with, with, with the oh book. wait, so. okay. Before we go to that, real quick, um, Parker is a great accompanying piece to this. Mm. And in Diamond this month, you have to have the orders in by I think it's uh, the twenty first. There is the Martini edition of Parker. Uh, it's a hardback, uh, oversized version of the two smaller. Uh, books, and they're going to do a second martini edition for the other two. Get it. It looks amazing. Cool. That's all. So your purchasing ordeal. Anyway. My purchasing ordeal was not not overly ordeally, but it did make me like kind of want to beat my head against the wall until <laughs> I passed out because of the way that bookstores categorize comic books. Um, in this case, I went to University Bookstore. I just kind of happened to be there. I was like, hey, I can pick up the comic here. Because they actually have a decent selection of comics. However, they have them in three different places. Um, okay. Two of them are, you know, on opposite sides of the same rack, and they're on the ground floor that has like the adult fiction and the nonfiction, and uh, they are termed as follows: comic strips, which is like newspaper comics collected, put into a thing. Not web comics. Penny Arcade is not there. Calvin and Hobbes. Interesting. Right. It's like yeah. the the you know the Calvin Hobbes and the Dilbert and all that stuff, and that's. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Um, they actually have a very small section of comic book criticism, which is fantastic and has some like great nonfiction comic books. And I found some crazy thing from the 60s and I was really excited about it. Yay. Whatever. On the other side, they have, I kid you not, arty comics. Arty comics. It's actually labeled arty it's comics. It's labeled arty comics. <laughs> wow. Okay. Right? Um, it gets I did not find this book in arty comics. And I was like, well, gosh, I, it's not a comic strip. It's not an arty comic. I went and I was like, do you have another comic section? They're like, yes, we do. It's upstairs. Um, upstairs, they have a section that is labeled superheroes and manga. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> wow. So I'm like, this is neither superheroes or manga. Nor manga. Yet it is in the superheroes and manga section. Who is the decision-making person who decides if the comic is arty enough to go Joel, in me. the art? Joel, okay. me. <laughs> It's just a little unrealistic. It's a superhero comic. <laughs> <laughs> just, just a little. They fly. Whatever. Um, yeah, so I, I don't know. Uh, comic books are weird because they're, the f- they're really one of the very few modern literature forms that is based Nobody in... understands. No. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nobody, A, nobody understands. B, it's based in genre fiction and literary fiction. This is like an exciting side tangent. Unlike, you know, written down words that don't have pictures where literary fiction is the mainstream and genre fiction is the exciting side tangent. Yeah. Uh, I and I think that messes with people. A thing you ju- I don't understand a really? goddamn thing you just said. Okay. I, well, that's, that's, that's one part of her asymptotive pretension that I actually understood. Yay! I'm making sense to like, no, someone. I, I no, was watching you totally speak touching and like, wah, you're wah, saying wah, stuff wah, wah, and wah. you are totally Charlie Brown's parents. Like, <laughs> so uh, you can get this comic book. Really the best and only real way to get it anymore is in the, in the trade. Uh, it's only in a soft cover trade. It's not in a hard. It's fourteen ninety five. Uh, it's published by Radical Books. It is... I've never even heard of Radical Books until I bought this actual trade. They do caliber... Um, um, 
they did crawl space as well. Okay. The individual issues probably aren't worth tracking down it, since you can get the, the trade for relatively cheap. And you say that it's worth buying? It's worth I, the yeah, 15 I would bucks. Buy. Now, this is the thing. If you like noir, if you like bad guys, anti-heroes that are down on their luck and do everything to get their luck back on the right track, I don't even know what I'm trying to say. It's a good book. If you like the noir stuff with guns and drug dealers and whatnot, then you'll like this. Noir redemption stories, yeah. basically. Yeah. There. Thank you. No problem. In the great hall of the Justice League, there are assembled the world's four greatest heroes, created from the cosmic legends of the universe, Superman, Wonder Woman, Batman, Aquaman, And those three junior super friends, Wendy, Marvin, and Wonder Dog. Their mission, to fight injustice, to right that which is wrong, and to serve all mankind. That also means that I have to trust you in your selection of comic books. <laughs> Joel, how many, like, what percentage of books that you've read and liked have, have been recommended by me? All Ninety nine point five. Yes, I, I know that I look like a hobo most yeah, of the time, but and that maybe I get a little bit crazy when it comes to certain things. Yeah, my taste in comics is good. It's a little unrealistic. I get a little crazy when it comes to certain things. <laughs> you make one. <sighs> Just I, I I didn't want to go too hyperbolic on that, so I said a little unrealistic, and now I can't live it down. Snickers okay. shout out. Are we Yay! done? This week's webcomic shout out goes to a new startup called Cura Te Ipsum, the continuing adventures of Charlie Everett. Using the parallel universe theory of quantum mechanics, Cura Te Ipsum asks, what if there were hundreds of other yous out there? What if one of them wanted to kill all the others? Charlie Everett is about to find really? out. On the day that he decides to kill himself, he's stopped by himself. Or someone who looks remarkably like him. It's a, up for uh, an Eisner. Hey. Snickers shout out. Uh, call, says it's a full page black and white comic. Comes out with a page once every three uh, three times per week. It's about, up to, well, when he posted this, it was about up to 70. So I would assume it's about 76 or 80 at this point. Um, so Snicker is recommending Cura to Ipsum. The premise sounds like the premise of the one. No, no, no. no, no. <laughs> okay, so I'm going to go back even before that. Books of Magic. The year no. two annual is the many deaths of, uh, oh my God, what is his name? Tim. Tim. The Hunter. Hunter. Tim Hunter. Nice. Tim, the many okay. deaths of. So that happens. Tim. That happens. <laughs> <laughs> I am the great magician Tim. <laughs> Some people call but, okay. me. So Books of Magic, the second annual, is the many deaths of Tim Hunter. Um, the preceding 60 issues of the comic are all about the fact that there is a Tim Hunter called the other who is going from planet to planet and killing all the Tim Hunters and gaining their powers, yeah. which has led to things like the one and apparently, uh, and there was even a storyline that was similar. Highlander. There was a, there was a storyline that was similar to that Let's in, um, 
in Invincible, right? right? Where they had yeah. the character that was pulling all of his other selves in an attempt to draw the, their knowledge, right? Except he wasn't trying to kill them all. He was just trying to draw their knowledge out. Uh, Snicker says it's really good. Uh, and like you said, it's been nominated for Eisner's in the past. So uh, everyone take a, take a look at Cura Te Ipsum. The contest for this show has been a fucking monumental failure. However, we're going to continue doing it. The skins game continues, folks. All right. Here's how it works. How many people? You create 10 Gmail accounts. (laughs) No. And how many did we get? None. Not even Snicker. Dude. Snicker's already in it because he carried over. I don't don't like that. No. No. Snicker's got to take... It's sending a fucking email, for Christ's sake. How hard is it to send an email? Here's how it works. We have a contest running. If we can get 10 entrants into this com- contest, we're going to run a drawing. And that drawing at this point is now going to be for three different trades. It is going to be for the trade that we covered just now called The Last Days of American Crime, which was the first contest we ran and couldn't actually uh, do anything with. The second book is going to be Casanova Luxuria, which is going to be the subject of the next show, which is also going to be the, sub- the show where we announce the winner of this contest if we get 10 entrants. And it's also now going to include a copy of Kick-Ass. All you have to do is email tradesecrets at geekerific.com. Give us your name. Give us your address. Tell us that you're entering the contest. And if we draw your name out of the hat on the episode, on the next episode about Casanova Luxuria, you will win free copies of all three of those books. Free shit. All you have to do is send us an email and you get free shit. The deadline for entries is Tuesday, May 25th. We will record that sh- the, the show that evening, and we will announce the winner on that show. Um, the beauty of this and the whole point of this contest originally was that we were going to do it every two shows in advance. So the, sh- the next show is Casanova Luxuria. The show after that is Kick-Ass. So if you win the books that uh, we are announcing now on the next show, you will be able to read Kick-Ass before we actually cover it on the show, and then you can listen to the show spoiler-free. I can't wait until we get, like, to 10 trades. And I'll Seriously. And i like, people, what the fuck is wrong with you? We are willing to give you $150 <laughs> worth of free <laughs> trades. Meanwhile, Snickers, like, at home listening, like, you fucks! <laughs> Seriously. Snicker, get nine of your friends to listen to the podcast. Absolutely. Get nine of them to listen to the podcast, and then tell them that you're going to take all their shit if they win, so... Our next show, as I just mentioned, is going to be about Casanova Luxuria. That is uh, by Matt Fraction and Gabriel Ba. Okay. I'm really excited to it's see so Gabriel Ba artwork. So good. Because I Gabriel see his stuff around and it just looks awesome. Yeah. Yeah, I like his stuff. It's going to be cool. Umbrella Academy is amazing. Uh, now, that is that was originally published in black and white, and Luxuria is the first reprint okay, no, in luxur- color. Is Luxuria how- is the, the storyline. It was originally published in black and white five years ago okay and it has been republished under the icon imprint of marvel as a slightly colorized it's not full color it's colorish <laughs> colorish <laughs> it's, it's technicolor <laughs> rate us on itunes helps us out a lot log on there rate us give us a review if you want you can review us on zune i still don't know if i don't think we're up on the zune marketplace yet I, i've been submitting once every few days and it just takes forever to get up on zune rate us on um, your your music device of choice yeah uh if you do have zune and we you manage to find us you can go to social.zune.net search for the trade secrets podcast and then log into the marketplace and review us you can follow us all on twitter the main show feed is at trade secrets pod i am at geek elite 
Andy is at Mathtastrophe. Anne is at Anne Bean Tweets. And Joel is at uh, Superfly. S O O P E R P H L Y. You can like our Facebook page, www.facebook.com slash trade secrets podcast. Um, I'm hoping to get more posts and more random shit going on on that page so that people will actually you know come and visit every once in a while follow us on tumblr at tradesecretspodcast.tumblr.com you can join the forums on the website at www.geekerific.com slash forums Uh, there's not a lot of people on there but that's the whole point of people joining is so that we can actually get some discussions on there if you want to be a part of the show you can do so like cyber noir did for this episode you can either you can send us questions on Twitter, you can send them on Facebook, you can email us at trade secrets at geekerific.com. Does anybody else have anything you want to say before we wrap it up? I've I've made my piece. Made your piece? Yeah. Cool. I'm chill. Luke, you got anything? Nope. No. Oh wait, wait. One more. One more. Sup? Yeah, I'm taking it back. I'm taking it back. Good night.